welcome to the Miles to Memories podcast. I'm Sean Coomer, your host, joined as always by MTM's managing editor, Mark Osterman. And uh, joining us this week, Joe, I think he's over at Miraval enjoying all the fine food. I've been looking at his uh, Facebook stories. Is and that where he is? Pictures. I think so. Yeah, in the Berkshire. I didn't know that that's where he was going. I don't think he told us that, Mark, but yeah, he's posting all these bury pictures. Yeah, the lead. What a yeah, jerk. on his Facebook stories. Yeah, so <laughs> I guess he's going to tell us about that. Uh, Tell us about that next week. But we have joining us a guest, uh, Mark Jackson from Brad's Deals is here. He hasn't been on the show in a while, but glad to have him back. Uh, welcome, Mark. Hey, thanks for having me. Good to be back. Double the mark, double the trouble. Bam. Yeah, double. <laughs> a lot to a lot of mark to handle on this show, but uh, we have a lot of cool things to talk about, including everybody's favorite topic, Mark Osterman's favorite topic, cruise ships, because uh, you just did a couple of cruises out of Southern California back to back, and then some other cruise lines recently so uh, you have a lot to say maybe a, a little controversial for some so uh, that's exciting but uh before oh, we get cruise, into cruise nerd talk <laughs> yeah yes cruise nerd <laughs> talk well i just got off of uh royal caribbean's voyager of the seas here in the baltic uh, region so i did that and then i did the transatlantic so i spent 21 of the last 28 days on a cruise ship so my mind is like so enveloped in the cruise world although admittedly i'm ready for a break i have like five weeks before my next cruise which is an alaska cruise that Carnival basically gave me. So, uh, you know, you can't turn it down when they give it to you. But before we talk about cruises and everything else, uh, talk about some cool summer deal trends for Brad's deals. We'll talk about partner award flights and why Mark thinks that they're dead. And uh, we'll talk about Chase personal cards. So a lot coming up in this show. But uh, yeah, how's everything going with you two? Uh, any other than the cruise stuff, Mark, any interesting travel that you just completed or coming up? Yeah, we headed up to the cottage this weekend, kind of getting stuff set up for the season. And, uh, you know, I'm doing my checks and, and found some places I need to caulk and stuff outside. And then I, I crawl up in the attic just to give it a look. And I'm seeing, like, daylight come in from one section. I'm like, well, that's not good. And then I look down there and there's a wasp hornet building a little nest. I'm like, well, that's really not good. So I had to go, uh, went to Home Depot, bought that uh, the wasp killer stuff that you're supposed to only use outdoors but i went with it uh indoor sprayed it in the attic i guess it's technically indoor they said no don't use in your attic but i used it killed them and then did some great stuff on the outside the foam expansion to fill that space and then i'll caulk over it uh next week but yeah that was my weekend so i had to clear everybody out of the house so i could spray all this toxic stuff and so, yeah. kill these wasps so you poisoned your house and then you sealed it from the outside so that the poison yes. could stay inside okay <laughs> got it but I watched them die. I watched them die. There was a small there. There was a there was like an old bigger nest. So I think this has been a little problem for a while. Even though I've never seen them like flying around a lot, and there was like two building the smaller new nest. So I watched both of them die, and I had my wife stand outside to make sure none flew out. We didn't miss anything, and she didn't see anything. Um, so yeah, the the joys of an old house. So how about uh, you, Mark Jackson? Any uh, any interesting like redemptions? Any interesting trips coming up that are not cruise related? Yeah, I mean, as we all know, you know, summer travel is uh, just nuts out there. And I live in Scottsdale, Arizona. So I mean, I, I try So you got to get the heck fly. out of there. <laughs> yeah, I try. <laughs> I golf a lot. So if I am in town, it's it's at least I get to golf for really cheap, because no one else is crazy enough to get out there. So we're looking at stuff. Um, we're we're going to go to Cabo with my family. They have a, a house picked out to rent for the for the week in mid-June, but we have one extra day that we're, they, they go home to Austin and we have an extra day due to, I think Juneteenth is a, a day off for a lot of corporate people now. So we're going to stay at the new, well, new to Hyatt, the secrets in Los Cabos. So we're going to try out a new, new brand. I booked that for 25,000 Hyatt points. Uh, it was about $600 a night. So not a terrible redemption and get a new brand and, and try, try out a new, uh, new to Hyatt brand and see, see how those work. I'm excited to test some of those out. The, the Hyatt Ziva Cabo we loved, um, but they didn't have uh, standard rooms available on the night I needed. They did last night, but it disappeared. So that was always got to book it right away. Night. I know, I know. <laughs> I saw it and then I wanted to go see Doctor Strange. <laughs> came back and it was gone. No, but that's the funny thing. Like you, sometimes I'll, I'll find like a flight or something. I'll be like, oh, I'll just go to bed and I'll get up early and do it. I'm just I'm too fried to like make sure that this looks right and. You can cancel it, so it should just book it. But I'm like, nah, I'll just wait, and then it's gone. It's always gone, especially this year. Yeah, and I've made too many mistakes like that, where I'm like late night planning, and I just plan the entire wrong week or something like that, and you got to go back and redo it all. <laughs> if I'm, if yeah. I'm too tired, I've, I've done Sean, that before. Sean, didn't you just do something like that? <laughs> yeah, I booked this. I was booking a hotel for exactly a month from the day I was booking it, 
and instead I booked it for that night. And so I was yeah, requesting, that. I, I emailed my concierge like, the, you know, that night and I didn't even realize I did it. I emailed her. I'm like, can you get me a suite upgrade? Cause it showed that there was a standard suite. Cause apparently they opened that up the last minute, you know, but uh, so I was really excited to get the suite upgrade. And she's like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't respond in time. I hope that they upgraded you. I'm like, what did you mean? Is this for next month? And then of course I looked and it was, I had already booked it for that day. Luckily, <laughs> the Hyatt was nice enough to, to refund me. It actually shows on my account. The stay shows on my account. They backed out the qualifying nights, and they zeroed out the stay, and they gave me back my points, which was really nice of them. Uh, and the hotel agreed to it as well, so they didn't even have to, like, push it. But, yeah, that, those late-night bookings are never – that's why, yeah, I, I've done the same thing. You leave it for the next day, and then it's gone. Uh, but, you know, sometimes you don't want to be doing things late at night. You know, there's a, there's a lot of moving pieces with our crazy world that we live in with all this stuff. But yeah, I mean, I think uh, those all-inclusives, it'd be fun to see the, like, the difference, you know, to see how that experience differs from like the existing Hyatt all-inclusives. And is it uh, about the same, better or worse? From what I've heard from people, like secrets can be very, like depending on which hotel you're at, can be, you know, low end to high end. So it, it varies quite a bit. I think the, what is it, Zoetry or something like that? That's supposed to be like their the Zalara level type of thing, but I guess a lot of older people go there, but I'll be interested to hear it. Cause I think that will be a popular one. The secrets there in Cabo, I think will be one of the ones people look for. So we'll have to uh, hear what you think about it. Yeah. The only, only bummer is it isn't right on the water, which you can't really get in the water in Cabo anyway, but it's not, it's not on the beach. It looks like they have some nice pools and it's on a, on a golf course, but you know, trying out a new brand and it kind of fits into our one night that we need. So it's not really that big of a deal. And we'll be in Cabo the, the whole week before. So I don't think I guess that brand explorer be... perk. Exactly. I know I can't, <laughs> the only one I have left was your cove or whatever in China that I won't be visiting any, anytime soon. So <laughs> I'm glad that there's some new, uh, new brands out there for me to get my free night. I've been stuck at 14 forever. So I really gotta, I really gotta get uh, some of those all inclusives to now that there's what 26, right, Mark total. Yeah. You can get five, yeah. five brand explorers now. Yeah, I got to do it for as many Hyatts as I stay in. I'm, I feel like 14 is not a good number. I feel like I'm, uh, I'm not carrying my, my weight there. People are going to they're gonna look down on me. Let's talk cruises. So, uh, Mark Jackson, we talked a little bit before the show about two cruises you just did with Carnival. So we'll talk about that in a second. But how many cruises like have you been on, let's say, in the last year? My first cruise since the pandemic was January 2022. So I've been on five so far. Yeah, I've been on the Virgin Scarlet Lady in January. And then I booked a screaming deal out of LA on uh, Majestic Princess for a week, went down to Cabo and Puerto Vallarta. Um, that was in March. And then Disney Dream out of uh, Port Canaveral in April over uh, Easter. And then these two back-to-backs on the Radiance, uh, Carnival Radiance and the Navigator of the Seas. So did, did the Disney cruise cost the same as all the other ones put together? So I got, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, basically, I did get a deal as a as a travel agent. So I, I was I haven't been on a Disney cruise before. So that was one that, you know, the travel agent deal was screaming. So I mean, I'm, we're in Arizona, and we booked this like, three months out, and somehow the flights actually lined up and there was points available and everything and mile mile fl- mileage flights available. So you know, it was a good way to try out the brand because yeah, as you said, it's like, absolutely ridiculously priced. But we'll say compared to like a lot of my other cruise experiences, like I, I do think it's like worth the price now, especially if you have kids. But even we don't have kids and we had a great time at all the adults only areas on the ship. You are somebody who loves Disney though, so quit trying to make me spend ten thousand dollars, please. <laughs> <laughs> I am a Disney fan. I will I will say my wife is has grown into it, I'll say. And but I think she had a lot of uh trepidations about the Disney cruise and just thinking about like maybe the theme park audience that we see a lot and, you know, just there being like corn dogs everywhere or something. I don't know what really was going through her mind, but she got on board. It's, hey, come on now. Who doesn't like corn dogs? You just sold Mark. <laughs> said corn dogs everywhere. Yeah, yeah, they should have those actually on board. Um, but, uh, you yeah, know, it's, it's a really elegant ship. And, and I mean, it's obviously got a Disney theme to it. And there's tons of entertainment. There's some things I like about other cruises too. But in terms of like, Disney magic. And then, you know, I, I did a post on Brad Seals about comparing the, the value of that now compared to going to Walt Disney World. And, you know, I'd choose a, a, a cruise for my family 10 out of 10 right now because the parks are just jam packed and expensive and you're going to end up paying the same price 
and you're going to get better service and get a private island experience and a number of other things. So to me, I think, I think the Disney Cruise right now represents really good value. One of the things I've heard a lot in the Disney community is really how Disney Cruise Line has maintained its quality through all this, whereas we've seen in the parks how they've given you less and they're charging more. And then to your point, the crowds and all that pent-up demand where the ships, you know, they have their sort of loyal following, but they've kept a very high quality experience. And, you know, you're paying for that as a customer, but you're getting, you know, something that uh, is that quality that people, I think, have come to expect from Disney and maybe aren't getting in the parks these days, or at least a lot of people feel they're not. Now, like... Disney Cruise Line is considered a premium cruise line, and Virgin obviously launched their cruise line, which is considered a premium cruise line, but for a completely different demographic, right? Their ships are adults only, I believe. And mm -hmm. uh, what did you think of the Scarlet Lady? I mean, what did you think of the Virgin cruise experience? So I was incredibly impressed with, like, everything Virgin, you know, top to bottom. Um, yeah, you're, you're right. It's, it's adults only. You know, they're doing, like, four and five night sailings um, out of Miami, uh, right now with the Scarlet Lady, and then they've added Valiant Lady, I think that's sailing in Europe right now, and then Resilient Lady, I think, is coming on board pretty soon. And they just booked, like, two more ships that they're that they're building, so they're expanding like crazy. Um, food, very impressive. You know, they have um, a number of different specialty restaurants. All that's included. Uh, the price is very high to get on board. It, once you look at what's included, though, it's, you know, tips, it's Wi-Fi, it's all, you know, specialty restaurant upcharges. The, the drinks, they don't do drink packages. They do like a bar tab. But you right now they do like you, you put in $300 onto your bar tab and then you get like a $100 bonus on top of that. So you use that for drinks. There's no tips added on top of the drinks and the drinks are like street prices or like even cheaper than like Miami for sure. So like beers were like $5. Uh, cocktails were like eight to nine and that's like the all-in price. So I felt like there was not like any nickel and diming once you got on board and there's a lot of like really fun, like this adults only just a little bit more, you know, high end entertainment, I think. And it'll be a little bit more, you know, risque if you, if you, you know, that's definitely their demographic that they're going for. Like their, uh, their audiences, <laughs> not none of that. Joe, Joe will have to cut that out. <laughs> well, none of that though. I, 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 I think that there is like a, a like a topless, like, like sunbathing area that they designate at the very top of the ship. I didn't see signage for it in January, but maybe they've changed that since they've kind of expanded the the capacity of the ships. But yeah, like high-end Mexican restaurant, high-end steakhouse, some of the best food I've had at sea on, on Virgin and great service too. Nowadays, like every cruise line seems like they're trying to build these crazy things into cruise ships and Virgin, while they don't have those, you know, crazy water slides or roller coasters or anything, What's the big thing on the ship? Is it like a net that you can lay in and that's over the water or something like that? How was that? I, I thought that the ship was incredibly well designed. They packed a lot in. Yeah, they have a net on like the 14th or 15th deck that just goes all the way down, I think, to like deck five or six where there's like a, a bar, kind of like, I'd say like St. Tropez kind of feel uh, back deck that you can just sunbathe on on these lounges that are all included. But then there's like a bar and, and restaurant. So you're just like kind of in this beach club feel on the ship. Uh, they have that um, big thing is exercise on board. You know, their demographic, I think they're going for, um, you know, people like to actually go to the gym in that demographic. So they have like where I think the like kids clubs would be, they have like four or five different gyms. They have a lot of outdoor space for jogging. They have like a whole dedicated running track that's like not on the pool deck. So you can actually like run laps and not, you know, run into you know, Edna from Des Moines, you know, going to the, the pool bar, you know, or whatever. <laughs> Seen that happen like a lot. <laughs> what else do they have? They had, they, they have like Scarlet Night, which is, you know, I know that like Disney does like their Pirate Night, which they didn't do on my voyage, but it's kind of like an all ship takeover. And so they did like, it, everyone kind of chooses their own adventure because you find a crew member and they lead you into like secret concerts in the spa or they have like, free drinks at a certain bar that you end up at after doing karaoke or it, it, it's just like a complete chaos of the ship for a couple hours, which was really, really cool. Um, and everyone has like a different experience. So there's a little, and there's no like map or like schedule to this, which I know like me and, and a lot of other crews, like enjoyers really like, you know, the schedule out there on your, on your you know piece of paper at the beginning of the morning. But there wasn't really that for the Scarlet Night. And I thought that was kind of cool and, and unique. So, you know, there's a, a big focus on food and wine and, and, and beverage. And then, of course, they have the casino and live entertainment. Their theater, they don't have like a 
dedicated big theater in the front of the ship. They have like a, a box, basically a black box that they can move around the seats and the stage moves at certain times during certain shows. Um, they have a really elegant nightclub with a cool intro um, that you walk in through. It, it's it's all, every space is like expertly designed on, on the Scarlet Lady. And I assume there are other ships. The pirate takeover thing sounds like Star Wars, but for a fraction of the the price of the Star Wars hotel. <laughs> he just has to get the comment in there. All right, now l- let's talk about Edna from Des Moines, okay? Because yeah. you did the Carnival and the Royal Caribbean uh, cruises. And I know a lot of people out there who are listening are doing Carnival cruises this year because of the casino match offers. So they got free cruises. Uh, I just did a transatlantic on Carnival. And my takeaway from that was it wasn't nearly as bad as uh, most people say. It had been a number of years since I had been on a Carnival ship. Now on the transatlantic, There was a lot of older people. The demographic was very different probably than your typical weekend carnival booze cruise, Um, but I thought it was pretty good. The food was acceptable, right? It wasn't going to be fancy, um, you know, lobster night. The lobster was decent, I guess, but I mean, for the most part, the food was passable. Food in the buffet, I'd say, was subpar, but, you know, that's not my cup of tea really anyway. But what did you think about your your, uh, cruise? And you cruised on the Radiance, which is a, a ship... That used to be known as the Carnival Victory, I believe, and then they basically did a complete uh, refurb of it and uh, modernized it, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it, I think in December they premiered the the new name and the like two hundred million dollar renovation, and um, so it's still got the old bones, but they they definitely you know redid some areas, and you can you can tell that you know some areas are are a little newer than others. Like I feel like the atrium area, you can still kind of tell like this like late nineties vibe. Uh, to it. So I sailed on Monday through Friday on them on a, on a four night. Um, so still not like the full weekend crowd, but um, uh, definitely a party vibe to the ship um, out of LA. Uh, you know, people are there having obviously a good time. And uh, I, I was impressed with the, the food in the main dining room. I didn't try any of the specialty restaurants, but felt like the, the food quality was, was better than my princess cruise in, in March in the main dining room. Um, they have like a shack big chicken restaurant on board that was really good fried chicken. Like I was like ready to trash this place, but uh, it was awesome. And, you know, they have a Guy Fieri burger bar, which definitely my favorite burger I've had at sea. And, you know, I, I was, re- you know, not really my thing is seeking out, you know, diners and drive-ins and all that stuff, but killer burger. You know, overall, I thought that the, the, the value is definitely there. Um, I just don't know, you know, port to port or ship to ship what the, what the vibe is like, or if I did like a full weekend cruise, if that just like would have changed my opinion. It was also a little less full than what the weekend cruises would be. I think we had like maybe 1,200 or 1,300 people on the ship that can fit like three or 4,000. So I don't know if that would have changed my opinion either, if I was going to have to wait in line for Shaq's chicken or, or whatever. <laughs> yeah, the one thing Carnival has done when they've refurbished these ships is they've added more cabins and other than MSC cruises, which MSC really is the Walmart of the seas, really. They're, yeah. they're the lowest common denominator on the cruise lines. But Carnival is second to them in like the least amount of space per passenger when they're at full capacity. And that's what they've done with their ships is tried to make them um, you know, more crowded. So I think if you're going on a sailing where it's not as crowded, it's probably good. But I think the other thing is, you know, you went on Royal Caribbean and I feel like Royal Caribbean and Carnival are the two cruise lines people compare the most. And I've done two Royal Caribbean uh, cruises this year so far, one carnival, and I have many other carnivals coming up. And I just did the 14 days on carnival, a week off, and then a week on Royal Caribbean. So it was really easy for me to kind of compare the two. And how, for you, how do the two compare? Like, how was the experience? Because you did similar itineraries, right? Right. Uh, Basically out of the LA Long Beach area down to Mexico. You know, what was the difference in experience for you between the two lines? Well, Navigator of the Seas is... 40,000 gross tons bigger than the the Radiant. So it's a, it's a larger ship. It's better designed. I mean, you know, as you just got off the Voyager, I mean, these ships are changed the cruise industry, you know, going forward forever, probably some of the best designed ships, you know, period. So that's like the biggest takeaway is like the Radiant's had like a ton of like dead ends or like you had to walk through like up a deck and then down a deck to get to like a comedy club or like your, your, uh, you know, dining room you know, at the very back of the ship, it was kind of hard to find sometimes. And like, sometimes just frustrating. They had to like truck all the way over somewhere else to find somewhere. But 
you know, no real dead ends on the navigator of the seas. Typically, I think Royal Caribbean is a little bit more expensive, but this was actually, I think, a better deal too. A lot more specialty restaurants. Uh, I did the ultimate dining package and I booked that, was able to book that for like $70 or so all in on the app before my cruise, which they, they do this like demand pricing, as I'm sure you saw for, for certain things on Royal Caribbean that the price can change. So that's kind of a fun game to play. And so I was able to have, you know, on my three night cruise, three specialty dinners and then two specialty lunches too for 70 bucks extra to have like high end, you know, lobster and, and steak and stuff is, is definitely a good deal. Yeah. And I can attest to the fact that once you get on board, the prices get a lot higher too. So if you're looking at something, you see a good deal, you know, book it ahead of time. You're right. Like the one thing that Royal Caribbean or not the one thing, but the main thing Royal Caribbean has over Carnival is the ships are just much nicer. To me, the decor is nicer. The layouts are nicer, especially those older Carnival ships. You're absolutely right. They put the galleys in the middle of the ships over several decks. And so a lot of times you have to go up and down. Um, Navigator of the Seas is a Voyager class, so similar to what I went on in Europe, or exactly the same, where they debuted like the Royal Promenade, which is like a huge sort of mall, you know, four-story, five-story mall in the middle of the ship. They are open. They, they're just better designed ships. And that was, you know, several generations of Royal Caribbean ships ago. You know, they did, after that, they did the Freedom class, which was a uh, basically similar to that, but a little bit bigger. And then the Oasis class. And then... Uh, the Quantum class, all these ships are really great. Carnival doesn't, until their new ship, the Mardi Gras, really hasn't had a competitor ship-wise that could stand up to it. And so you're going to get, you know, an older ship. A lot of the designs are very sort of, to your point, dated. I just did the Carnival Pride, which is uh, their smaller Panama Canal-style cruise. It's like 88,000 gross tons. The one nice thing about that, that's a Spirit-class ship, is that they don't have those issues with the layout. Every deck goes end-to-end, -end, which is amazing. That's the only carnival ship, I think, that, that that does that. But, you know, the whole design is like Renaissance art. So if you don't like Renaissance art, like the whole ship, there's Renaissance art everywhere. And it's just very, you know, it's not modern, I guess, uh, but it's it's unique. Whereas on Royal Caribbean, you're going to get much more modern ships, you know, nice carpet, neutral tones. It's just going to feel, I, I, I guess, a little bit nicer overall. Yeah, there's one guy that's like designed the interior, the interior design of like every carnival ship. And I forget yep. his name, but I... And, yeah, and like he has a style <laughs> and I don't know what it was like before, but the radiant radiance basically has wiped that completely away. Uh, I don't know if I can deal with that for like a whole week is, you know, feeling like I'm in like, you know, Phantom of the Opera, or something. <laughs> like the whole cruise. Yeah, I cruised on the Carnival Splendor back in the day. This is when it debuted, I think in 2006, I think I cruised on it in 2007 or eight, something like that. And it's all pink. There's pink everywhere pink wood paneling. It's like Pepto-Bismol pink and the entire ship from top to bottom is pink. And it's just an insane design. This, I think that was the last uh, design that he did for Carnival before they fired him. And his name is Joe Farkas. And uh, yeah, Farkas, if you ever yeah. want to do this, yeah, just Google some of his designs. Uh, the Carnival Victory, I did sail on that back in 2012. The whole dining room was like weird mermaids and weird stuff. And now like to your point, the Radiance, they've done away with all that and it's all neutral. So Carnival's kind of learned that they need to compete with their decor and make it, you know, a little bit more mainstream and, and doing all that. But, you know, overall, what is your bottom line on Carnival? Is it as terrible as people say? Or do you think, you know, if the price is right, you kind of know what you're getting into, people should uh, give them a chance? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I, I don't think that uh, you should necessarily just never consider them. I think you got to, you know, pick the right ship in the itinerary. If you're if you're looking for a boost cruise, it's obviously a a great option for that. I think that the crowd on board with you would be a lot of fun too, which can make or break a cruise sometimes. Yeah, I think the entertainment staff on Carnival is better than Royal Caribbean through all mm -hmm. of my cruises, from the cruise directors to the entertainment staff, just the energy they have and everything, I found that to be better. I found the musicians, believe it or not, to be better on Carnival, um, just with the quality of and the amount that they have around the ship. They focus a lot on, you know, having bands and different things in different areas, whereas Royal Caribbean might have a single performer here, a single performer there. The piano bar on Carnival Ships is a huge focus for them, whereas on Royal Caribbean, they, they don't put as much emphasis. It's usually in like a bar that people are walking by, whereas in Carnival, it's its own dedicated venue. And you know how piano bars can get fun late at night, things like that. They have a whole culture around that. So there are definitely, I think, things that Carnival does better. Uh, but I think, you know, as far as service, the staff being trained better, the ships, you know, Royal Caribbean does that better. And that would be my pick. But 
I have, I think, five Carnival Cruises booked this year just because the price, they've basically been giving them away and it's still a good experience. And uh, I get to ride the roller coaster at sea in September. That's my, that's the one I'm most looking forward to. Um, now jealous. I'm looking forward to Shaq's Big Chicken on the Mardi Gras because uh, you said it was so good. So Yeah, chicken right, and so biscuit I, in the morning. <laughs> right, I'm looking forward to it. All right, so I know that's enough cruise stock because Mark is starting to roll his eyes uh, Mark yeah. Osterman, <laughs> at, at us. So we gotta we gotta move on. We want to talk got, about that other got, things. That got very in depth on uh, the nerdiness of names. You're like Oasis class and this class and that class. Yeah. and I'm That's like, right. I don't know what you're talking about. But well, my point I, was I know, just that the, I know the people out there love better. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I know out there people love it. So, but you're going on the Freedom class because the Freedom of the Seas was the first cruise. Where's there. that rank? So Is it top? You better get me. Did you get me on the top one? Well, it's it's a really good <laughs> ship, and it was re, it was actually just renovated like a couple years ago. So perfect. Enjoy it. Yeah. So I, I can't wait for everybody out there for Mark O to go on his first cruise. And then if he, uh, I hope he doesn't come back and trash it. You know, I hope he doesn't come back and say it was garbage. <laughs> like there's a lot of pressure on us, people who love cruises, for Mark to, to like the cruise uh, next year. And we're doing the... Well, I will the, say the I, my my bar of expectations is very low. So that's a, that's a good uh, omen for usually think You know, when you go with something with high expectations, it usually doesn't live up to it. So I have almost none. So as long as it's somewhat okay and edible food, it should be good. Yeah, I think that I think you'll I think you'll like it. Like, I I'm not going to say anything else. I don't. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to raise his expectations at all. So we'll just you know, better have a Shaq's be... chicken after I heard about this for 15 minutes. Well, see, but now you're, but you're on Royal Caribbean, so too bad. Uh, yeah. Too bad for you there. Oh, uh, uh, boo! All right, so let's talk. Maybe so... Chick Fil A. Bam! Oh, that'd be awesome. <laughs> so. Mark Jackson, what is your title now at Brad's Deals? I know that you've been there a long time. You've had different titles over the years that we've known each other. Yeah, I'm, I'm on the business development team. But, you know, us being a, a smaller company, we wear a lot of hats. So I, I still manage the personal finance and travel verticals for us. Um, you know, we're a, a big affiliate uh, site um, on the web. And we have a team of editors that search the web looking for the best deal for, like, pretty much anything you can buy online. So we have people that specialize in a whole bunch of different areas. So obviously all the things that we like to talk about, that's the stuff that I specialize in. Well, it's been crazy. You know, the economy has been booming for so long, right? And I feel like people had a lot of money in their pockets and they were like less focused for the last few years, maybe. And even during the pandemic on like what things cost. And then now it seems like things are sort of coming back in the cycle where inflation's going out of control. People are, you know, everything's costing a lot of money. And now people are sort of looking for a deal again they're they're starting to kind of count their pennies it seems like and the economy seems to be showing that as well what are some of the trends you've seen just in the last you know as we emerge from the pandemic coming to this crazy summer of travel and and everything else uh, what are some of the trends you guys are seeing at brad's deals yeah so i i asked my uh editorial manager of our site casey to kind of give me some some areas and, and the big thing that we've seen in the last couple of months are like consumable products that like you are, are very tied to inflation. So like, you know, toilet paper, cleaning supplies, laundry detergent, like we actually post a lot of deals around that. And so people are the, the explosion in like search traffic on our site around those items, uh, which is sad to see, but you know, the, the items that are, are essential, you know, people need to save money on and, and things that are being affected by, you know, all these price hikes, we see a, a huge amount of, uh, search traffic around and, and um, purchase activity. What about in relation to like travel stuff, since that's really your your expertise, have you seen a, an uptick in travel deals and, and then in obviously in a demand for them? Yeah, uh, year over year, 265% increase in search traffic related to travel topics on our site. Um, obviously that's very affected by the, by the pandemic and you know, people being able to travel again um, but you know, that's definitely higher than 2019 levels too. So, you know, you're, you're seeing obviously why, why we can't book all of our favorite cheap trips this summer. Uh, you know, a lot of the, you know, regular people out there are, are booking travel. And, um, so that's good to see on our end, you know, we see a, a lot of, uh, you know, travel zoo is a big partner of ours and, you know, they have some really great negotiated travel deals on their site. So we post a lot of their deals. Um, so those are something not to overlook. A lot of times you can book direct through the merchant with their negotiated deals. Like they work a lot um, with the old Starwood properties and some Hyatt properties too. Sometimes you can get that special deal that they found and still get your elite nights and points. 
Do you think people should just sort of skip summer travel? We've seen how prices are crazy. Mark yes. wrote a whole article about how he how he just went right off right off summer, summer. Mark O wrote a whole article about writing off summer travel and just like especially for people like in our space in the travel hacking award travel space. As you point out, all of our cheap tricks are like you know it's not working right. Award space is really tight. Uh, prices are insane. Even if you want to use like convertible points to pay cash prices, hotel availability is lower. Even I'm finding like for Hyatt, for example, there's less suites available because there's so many globalists because they gave it to so many people last year. So that's created a crunch. Uh, yeah, exactly. I'm playing my, my little violin here. Uh, you know, <laughs> hey, I, I'm with but, you. <laughs> but I mean, hopefully things are going to change and normalize. Our 30 I mean, nighter people will be off in, in a few months. You'll be back oh, to normal. Oh, thank God, Mark. Uh, thank God. Thank God that's that's coming because uh, I I have six suite upgrades this, this year and I just managed to confirm my first one. Um, because just through my travels, I haven't been able to uh, confirm any, and it's been it's been crazy. But do you think people should skip their summer travel and like look, or will there be deals? You think in the fall for more off-peak travel? Is that the time? Is that really the best strategy right now? I mean, if you if you could choose between summer and fall right now, I, I definitely think you know choose the fall uh, travel when people uh, are not going to be normally traveling. You know, it's always been always been the rule outside of uh, this year. You know, I'm not skipping it. I'm, I'm trying to find deals. I'm not giving up. Um, I, I will admit I almost booked a round trip from Phoenix to La Paz, Mexico, instead of Cabo and drove three hours because the, they actually were mileage flights instead of $600 a person. <laughs> but messed around with the dates a little bit and still, you know, ended up paying like $400 out of pocket plus some plus some miles. So it's more uh, more tolerable than you know twelve hundred dollars for a couple to fly a two hour flight. That's what's so crazy is like the the even these super short flights like just to go to Florida, you know they'll want six seven hundred dollars for a two and a half hour flight. It doesn't make any sense to me. Who's paying these prices? I don't get it. Yeah, I I think I mean it's the quote revenge travel, which I really don't like that term. I just think it's like kind of weird. But you know it's people that saved up money for a vacation they haven't been able to take it. So I mean skipping the places that most people go like Florida or Cabo or Cancun, stuff like that, where the prices for resorts are out the, out the door too. Um, and, and trying some second or third tier places, I think are maybe not, not a bad idea or, or, you know, I know gas prices are through the roof too, but even doing a road trip to, you know, for us, like, you know, trying out the Grand Canyon or going, going up to Utah and checking out some natural wonders. And, and, you know, it's a, an option there, I think for people to just look at alternatives besides like Disney World and, you know, your favorite resort. Yeah, I think also, you know, leaving the borders, going where other Americans don't go. Uh, Europe right now, there is a lot of award availability. It's, you know, the prices for cash are pretty expensive when I look at them. But uh, right now I'm in uh, Riga, Latvia, but I'm going back to the States next month. I don't have a flight, but I've been looking. There's plenty of availability in business class and in coach uh, directly where I need to go in economy or with one connection in business class for three of us. Uh, so that's always an option. And we've booked a ton of flights using a combination of British Airways Avios. Uh, I have a Ryanair flight that was dirt cheap. I just flew Norwegian uh, yesterday on a, a flight from Copenhagen to Riga, which I paid like 30 bucks, including all of our bags and everything. Um, so a lot of the, the low-cost carriers in Europe are still dirt cheap. And the, the travel is fairly open, especially if you're in the Schengen area. Once you get through one of the borders, then you can just cross. It's just like domestic flights. So, you know, I feel like going outside of there, maybe Central America, South America, there is still availability if you're willing to go a little bit farther. I just think anything in the U.S. is going to be tough uh, as people who don't normally travel are going to travel. People who put off all their trips are going to travel. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's ugly. Like to your point, Mark, you're, you can fly to Florida for the same prices you could fly to Europe. Uh, Probably cheaper to crazy. Europe. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> Absolutely nuts. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we do we do have a Europe trip booked this summer and was able to find business class flights each way. But to cities that you know we had to kind of build the trip around, um, you know, we wanted to fly direct into maybe Italy, and it was hard to find. So uh, definitely something um, you know to look into. And you know, it's it's uh, <laughs> it's just crazy out there. Yeah, it's it's definitely crazy. And uh, I think it's just a matter of the one thing people should know as somebody who's, you know, I've been on the road pretty much consistently since January. So about four months on the road right now. I'll be on the road for a few more months before we're at home for a few months. But so I've been booking so much travel and it's just taking more time, more time to search, more time to use different programs, 
you know, it's a lot more commitment in doing it. But if you follow, you know, the ways of the force or, you know, travel hacking and all that, you have those skills, you can do it. You can pull off stuff to your point, find other cities, find other routings, you know, have plans and backup plans. But it just seems like it's harder than it used to be. You know, it's a lot more effort. And somebody like me who likes to do a lot of last minute stuff, it's a little bit more difficult because not all, all the last minute stuff that used to kind of pop up isn't there. So I'm kind of making sure I get a little bit further ahead of myself, which I don't like to do, but it's just a sign of the time. So, yeah, you know, it's interesting. It's different. Everything's different. You know, just another, you know, just like the last couple of years have been different in so many ways. And now we're headed into like another different period. Yeah. The, I think a glass half full, you know, look at it too. It's like, all right, what I've liked my direct flights into, into Italy probably, but now I get to try this Houston to Manchester, Singapore airlines, fifth freedom flight. And you know, Asia hasn't really been open too much. So it's one of my favorite airlines. So you get to try that out. And it was a good price on points or on, on miles. So it is what it is. And, you know, we, we complained when we couldn't travel at all. Uh, so at least we get to travel. And yeah, there, you know, this points inflation and all the points that they gave away, you know, during the pandemic, I, I think, uh, you know, it's going to come back to bite us a little bit. But I think things will normalize, you know, within the next year. So which brings us to the next topic that Mark wanted to, Mark O wanted to talk about. And that's whether partner award flights are going to be a thing of the past. And that's basically because, you know, like you said, mile inflation and saver awards or something that, you know, what is a saver award anymore? Because you can't really find them in most cases. And, you know, you generally need those for partners to be able to access it. So I guess, Marco, what, what, what is your take on it? You, you, do you really think that they're a thing of the past or you think this is just temporary think- with all these increased prices? <sighs> I think this is kind of like, you know, the precursor to it. Domestically, I think they're pretty much dead right now. Like, you can't use Avios for American Airlines most of the time. You know, Virgin for Delta or or Flying Blue is is impossible. Turkish for United, Life Miles. I've searched a lot of flights, and I'm not finding anything most days. Maybe on, like, a Tuesday, uh, once a week, you'll find something, and it's only economy. So I think, you know, we're already seeing in the U.S., it's completely, partners are almost useless. Which, you know, give and take a bit, prices are up, they're fully dynamic, so you're not seeing saver rewards. And even when they're saver reward pricing, they're calling them web specials and stuff like that, so they don't have to release it to partner airlines. So they're doing all that. You have free cancellations and stuff now with the big three, uh, with most U.S. airlines. So that was kind of like the perk of booking with partners. You could cancel, you had better cancellation terms. So you don't have to worry about that much. So that's like a give and take. But, you know, we've seen always domestically is during the pandemic has kind of like been a precursor to, to future like this year it's revenge travel in the U- u.s i think next year will be revenge travel in europe so i think it's going to be even tougher to do b- partner awards there where you're still seeing a lot of partner bookings in the economy is pretty easy to get to europe uh with miles business a little bit tougher than it used to be but still somewhat i think next year it's going to be really tough uh as people start to book out there and all these extra miles sitting in people's accounts think you're going to see the same thing happen uh that way maybe domestic opens up a bit more um and and this could i think this is probably more of a short-term thing couple years thing but if you're looking to book uh to europe in the next year or so i would i would do it early and often or just get on a cruise ship for 14 days and sail over there instead nope. like yeah. i just did because that was it's cheaper uh, that was it's awesome. cheaper than, a, than the flight <laughs> that was awesome. a lot of time too <laughs> When you go to bed, you're looking at water. When you wake up, you're working at water. No land. I can't do it. <laughs> Nine glorious sea days on that cruise. It was fantastic. But yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I agree with, I do think that these partnerships will survive and you will see partner awards. But uh, yeah, as until flight prices come down, I think it's going to be rare to, to be able to use some of this stuff. And then I think the best strategies may be to, to book with airlines that have fuel surcharges because a lot of, that scares a lot of people away. Um, for instance, I booked my dad back on British Airways uh, coming up on our trip next month. Now, it was a little bit more because of the fuel surcharge, but it wasn't terribly more. And, you know, it was a, a lot cheaper to do that. I was able to find a saver award, get him, you know, a cheap uh, award ticket using Alaska Miles. So, you know, I feel like there's still going to be opportunities there, especially as people, you know, look to different programs to beyond the, the big few that uh, most people want to use. Yeah, I, I totally agree. You know, looking at British Airways, we have a few directs from Phoenix to London, and and those seem to be relatively available um, compared to like the directs on American or even you know connecting on American. So 
you know, I think that schedule is, is really important nowadays too, even with, you know, uh, still kind of being in a pandemic here, uh, flight cancellations, et cetera, you know, the less flights, the better, uh, you know, under normal years, I probably wouldn't have minded, you know, a, a, a double connection if, if it got me where I, where I needed to go and was in business class, but kind of have to rethink that nowadays. So. Yeah, I do think it plays a role into it too. Like it's not as enjoyable as an experience to fly as it it was, you know, two, three years ago with with all the rules and hoops you have to jump through. So I think people are less willing to take connections because of that. So I think that plays a role into it. But, you know, shortages of flight attendants and, and pilots where they've canceled a whole bunch of flights also plays a role into it for sure. So hopefully as they... You know, we, we're doing an article on the site today where American Airlines and Delta are looking into slashing the requirements for their pilots to get uh, for their training so they can get out there quicker, which I don't know if that's good news or bad news. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but hopefully that helps. Um, another thing I'll say is like I used to take advantage of transfer bonuses to certain, you know, like Avios, uh, Virgin Atlantic. I would take advantage of them when they came up, even if I didn't have plans because I knew I could use them. I'm not doing that anymore just because. It, it's so hard. Like I have life miles stuck in my account for like a year now. And I, every time I'm looking at something that I could possibly use them for, it's hard to find space. So I wouldn't, I would say don't transfer, you know, just speculatively anymore where you might've done it somewhat, even if it's your favorite program, if you have a specific booking, go for it. Um, but that's something I would say don't do for, for the near future at least. All right. Which brings us to our last topic, which is Chase personal credit cards. Uh, not a good trend, not an easy transition. So uh, I will, uh, we'll just go to it. And then Mark, you, Marco, you wanted to talk about what is the best offer right now? I assume because the Chase Sapphire preferred ADK offer is expiring in, uh, on May 31st. So just in a few days after this comes out and uh, they have a lot of offers. And one of them is the British Airways Avios 100K offer, which I think is, is worth a decent amount. But as you point out, like 40% transfer bonuses are pretty common. So maybe it's not as good as it seems on the surface, but what is your favorite Chase personal welcome offer right now? Yeah, I, I have a, an article that I update, you know, every couple months of the rankings of the current welcome offers. And it's based off of what it's at, how much value you get expected from the points, minus the annual fee, minus the uh, opportunity costs of the spending for the min spend, and then any credits. So Chase Sapphire Preferred is ranked number one right now, just barely above British Airways, but that's including the $50 hotel credit at full value, which most people probably won't. So they're almost dead even. Uh, the Preferred is coming up uh, in the, on the 31st, so that's a good one to look at. you know. And then it's just interesting to see where they all kind of shake out, because what you think would be good is not good. Like oftentimes the uh, Sapphire Reserve ends up last place now. Right now, Southwest is the worst because they're down to their 40K point offers. When it gets back up to 60K, then it'll move above it. But to think of Sapphire Reserve four years ago was the best card you could possibly get, and now it's like the worst first year value in Chase's whole ecosystem is kind of crazy to me. Yeah, that, the Reserve is definitely taking a nosedive in, in the collective hearts and minds of our community and you know, it's definitely not one that I recommend to people now, especially with the, the preferred having a great offer and, you know, being such a low annual fee for everything that you get, uh, you know, great beginner credit card, as as a lot of people say, and, you know, definitely agree with that. To, to me, I think that's the, a no-brainer offer. So what's coming in number three, Mark? Uh, is it, Marco, is it United Quest at 90K uh, sign-up bonus? Uh because there are some other good offers. I think we kind of get singularly focused on things like when, especially when the Sapphire cards have a big bonus, everybody wants to talk about that. But uh, I know that there's yeah. the United Quest has that 90K. That's not their public offer, but you can get, uh, what else is there? Yeah, I, base it, I just based it off their public offer. Um, so United Quest used to be up there and for a time it was the best when it was the 100K offer. Now the public offer is 70K. So that's dropped down a bit. Uh, the actual, the Explorer is the third. They have a 60K offer right now uh, after 3,000 in spend. You can get an additional 10K after 6K in spend in six months. So that's third. And interestingly enough, the Bonvoy Boundless comes in fourth with their 350K free nights. If you max it out at 150,000 points, if you don't max it out, it's going to be worth less. But the nice thing about those is you can, you know, add the 15K worth of points on top of it. So you can use it up to 65K for hotel rooms. So... That's kind of nice. And then the other thing I found a little bit interesting is the 
quest card at the 70k basically comes in even in value with the United Club Infinite, even though that's the card that comes with the uh, lounge access and $525 annual fee, but it's 100,000 miles. So if you're debating between those two, um, if you were just going to keep it short term, I would say quest is better long term card, but short term take that lounge access if you're going to get the same amount of value overall between the two cards i think now like i said you can get the 90k so we'll put a link i guess in the show notes for that uh, for the quest because that just sweetens the deal a little bit more um, if people want to do that i haven't used united i used to use united miles all the time i used to transfer my ultimate rewards there all the time and book awards and i have not you know since it became so easy to get life miles and some of their other Star Alliance partners, uh, Aeroplan from other transfer partners. I just haven't used United very much, so I'm, I just don't get excited. I've flown about United. That. I've flown United once in like ten years, and then you know partner awards. I haven't been able to fi- find great flights for them, uh, and I haven't gone to Europe in a couple of years. So, but definitely, you know, I'm sitting. I signed up for the Quest card, sitting with like 110k in there, and just looking for a place to to use them. <laughs> yeah, I wish I could use use United more out of uh, Phoenix, but we're just stuck with Southwest and American most of the time. It's it's hard to. I, I have a few miles sitting in my United account as well, but I uh, and, and plus I'm a Titanium with Marriott, so I you know I have this free silver status, but never really seem to get to use it. <laughs> so it's a good reminder that even though an offer could be valuable, you know, as you said earlier, Mark, with the transfer bonus thing is kind of contemplate. Sure, maybe the points are worth this, but are they really worth that to you? How are you going to use them? You know, is it better to have convertible currencies or stuff like that? Because sometimes just jumping on an offer is good. Sometimes it's not. And uh, yeah, it's just hello, all, it's my all Alaska it. miles. We're talking to you. <laughs> I've been. I was collecting. I have so many Alaska miles because I was collecting them so long. I, I did take an Emirates first flight back in the day. Like burned. I don't know. Like what was one hundred and sixty k, which like killed me. But I'm glad I did it and I got the experience and. I still have a ton of them, and you know what Cathay first was probably the best redemption after Emirates sort of died, and uh, you know that's not really something you can do right now for the most part. So, yeah, my Alaska miles continue to sit there. Although I did, like I said, I burnt uh, sixty thousand for my dad's ticket with British Airways, which was a decent deal, but mostly because I wanted to burn some Alaska miles. Yeah, it can be tough. We all we all end up with those orphan points. It's just part of the game, I guess. But I guess minimizing it is you- the best thing you can do. Do you find yourself, um, and I'll, I'll say this for Mark Jackson, do you find yourself when you have like these orphan points or you take advantage of a transfer bonus or you have a flight cancellation, you're stuck with them? I like try to use those first, like even if it's at less value because I just want to get rid of them and not have to worry about them. Uh, do you ever find yourself doing that? 100%, uh, especially after the pandemic with like all these canceled trips I had towards the beginning. It's like, what am I going to do with like all these Emirates points? And like there's such specific uses for it now at least they have blue and stuff but i have like you know 70 or eighty thousand in in emirates right now and uh some like they do some weird stuff with the buckets of like points that you've transferred and if you have a household account and all this stuff it's kind of a mess of an account really i will not be transferring to them again but uh i had a one-way flight booked through them from jfk to milan and that's canceled and now they've raised their rates and all that stuff so I don't know what I'm going to do with those. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm anxious to use those. It, it keeps me up at night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes I find myself booking a useless trip around burning points, the points I don't want anymore just to get rid of them. Because I'm like, I don't want to have to worry about these expiring and transferring and all that stuff. So I'll just be like, all right, well, let's go here because I know I can use them for that. <laughs> the dark side of the miles and points hobby, the truth comes out. All of us are struggling to, to do that. I'm about to burn an IHG cert for like a 19,000 point per night uh, holiday in at London oh. Luton Airport. I'm just like, it's killing me, but it's going to expire. I hadn't, you know, and Mark's always, Mark O's always talking about, you know, use it, use it, use it. And of course, I'm always yeah. trying to like find a good I'll redemption it for it. If it's close and, to good, yeah. um, done. I'll, I'll use it first. Yeah, I so agree. I should have used it before now and I didn't. And, you know, now it's coming towards the end. So a 19K holiday in express is going to be the use for it. It's killing me. I haven't, I still haven't booked it. I have like two days left because I'm like trying to find another use for it. But, uh, you know, at least I'll get some use out of it. It won't expire. So I guess that's good. You can do the Holiday Inn commercial with Ellie after when you get it. Well, did you stay at a Holiday Inn last night? <laughs> Remember those? The funny thing is the Holiday Inn, there's two, <laughs> there's a Holiday Inn and a Holiday Inn Express there. They're both the same amount of points. The Holiday Inn Express has better reviews. It seems like it's newer and nicer. So 
probably stay at the Express. I do but... like the new the newer Expresses. I think those are pretty nice. The the grayish slate interior and all that stuff, more more modern. And then we're because we're we're landing in Luton late, and then we're going to we're staying at the Andaz Liverpool. I managed to find a standard award there, and then the suite upgrade too, which was I don't know how that happened. Oh, perfect. The, the hotels in in London are crazy, so I'm super excited to try that out. Although my dad and my son are meeting us there, and I cannot find them a room at that hotel with two beds. So uh, they're, they're, they're going to stay elsewhere, nearby. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's more of the fun of this. But I'll talk about that on another show. I think we're running here to the end. So this show is edited and produced by Joe Chung. And you can find him at As The Joe Flies all over social media, asthejoeflies.com. He's also a travel agent, loves to book cruises. So uh, check him out. And uh, Mark Jackson, where can people find you when they're not listening to this podcast? Where can they reach you? So you can find me at bradzeals.com. And uh, I also have my YouTube channel, Jackson Jet Setting, where I post tons of resort reviews and tours and cruise content. So just everything that we love to talk about. If you like looking at pretty pictures of resorts and stuff, that's uh, that's my channel. If you want to watch the Disney tour, what was that? That was like an hour long. You walked through like the whole ship, didn't you? Yeah, I, I... You know, saw a need to just cover literally everything, the things that I look for on YouTube that just wasn't there. So that's what I'm doing, using my film degree. That was a good video. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, I share I share your stuff quite a bit in the uh, around the web, and I've always enjoyed your 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 break. Even you know the walkthrough videos, very thorough, all that stuff. Cool resorts. So definitely give it a check. Subscribe to the channel. Uh, follow them there. You can find me on Twitter at Detroit Mark. Email me Mark at Miles to Memories. Uh, comment in, in our Facebook groups, anything like that. How about you, Sean? Oh, yeah, and I just want to say, Mark Jackson, you have all kinds of cruise stuff on there, too, from the ships that you talked about. So videos of that, too, on the YouTube channel. Check that out. Uh, for us, well, you can find us on YouTube, too, talking about Las Vegas at youtube.com forward slash miles to memories. And uh, we also have our MTM Vegas video podcast on that channel, or you can listen to it as well. Just search Apple Podcasts or anywhere for MTM Vegas. And then... Uh, we're at, at Miles to Memories all over social media. I'm posting a ton of stuff to Instagram and on our Facebook page, stories, all of our travels, uh, all that sort of stuff. So follow me on uh, Instagram, trying to build that up a little bit more. And then uh, all of our posts, videos, podcasts, everything at milestomemories.com. And if you like this show, don't forget, we love five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. It helps us out a lot. Helps Apple and the algorithm know that we're still doing this thing and you guys are still listening and all that good stuff. So thanks so much, everybody, for listening. Mark Jackson, thanks so much for for joining us. Joe will be back with us next week. Talk to everybody next time. Bye. Yes, thank you, Mark, for hanging out. Yeah, thanks a lot, guys. No, we went up to the. Are you talking, was it me? Yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, you gotta be specific today. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> um.